Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Uh, This is a big one tonight, Uh, no question about it. IU at Iowa, a road test for this Indiana team. They're playing some good basketball and headed into a big matchup tonight. Uh, We'll see how Indiana does. They have let uh, fans down before. There's no question about that after a uh, good streak. But uh, tonight is a chance to uh, continue on a really good path right now for IU and the opportunity for the game at Iowa against a tough Iowa team and then the game at Nebraska on Monday. Two road games, winnable road games with how this team has been playing that I think could really put this team in another position in the Big Ten Conference if they can get it done tonight and on Monday at Nebraska. So lots of chatter about the uh, game tonight coming up here in this hour. Also some IU football news as well. A new defensive line coach has been hired, and this just slipped my mind yesterday during our show, but as we went off the air yesterday, the Big Ten had announced they were going to essentially re-release the Big Ten football schedule because of all the pandemonium that 2020 caused and make some adjustments to things. And so IU effectively has a somewhat new football schedule for next year, including a new season-opening opponent. Instead of Northwestern, it is going to be Illinois for the Hoosiers on the football field coming up next fall. So we'll get into some of that a little bit later in the hour as well. Let's go ahead and take a look at the show lineup for this Thursday edition of the program uh, brought to you by Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, Greg Mingelt of the Hoosier Hills Hoops website covering all things Southern Indiana basketball is with us to chat some high school basketball headlines and what's going on with Romeo Lankford. Uh, He did not get hardly any ticks again last night for the Celtics, so we'll talk that high school hoops and more storylines coming up here in the first segment. Then later in the hour, Thursdays, which means Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall always joins me. Uh, We'll get you ready for the IU-Iowa game tonight. We'll talk through all the storylines of that ball game with Alex when he joins us. And then later in the show, Matt Weaver, the football writer for Peaks.com, is going to join us to catch up on IU's football schedule uh, and some updates to it for next year, new defensive line coach, and just what's going on here in off-season mode right now with IU football. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. And right out of the gate, let me remind you today that the Thornton's text line is open. Get your phone out, open up a text message. The number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. 
1450. Send a question. Maybe it's something about basketball for Greg. Maybe it's IU for Alex. Maybe it's football for Weaver. Later in the show, whatever it is, a question, a comment, you want to sound off. Maybe you've got a prediction on tonight's IU-Iowa game. We'd love to hear from you, and I'll do my best to put all of them on the air today at some point during our show. Uh, Don't forget also, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts as well. All right, uh, here in this opening segment, Greg Mingelt. He's the uh, lead writer for Hoosier Hills Hoops, covers all things basketball here in southern Indiana. And, Greg, you're also just a basketball nerd. I think I'm safe to call you that and not, Absolutely. Uh, not offend you. Absolutely. Uh, so let me ask you this. I pack up last night uh, after a long day of work and head to Indianapolis to watch the Pacers who – are just struggling and just are not a fun basketball team to watch right now. And I see him take on Romeo Langford and the Celtics. And now when we got the tickets around Christmas time, not, not long ago, uh, Romeo was playing on a nightly basis. Uh, in fact, leading up to Christmas, Romeo had two of his better, if not his two best NBA games, uh, stat-wise, minute-wise, so many different ways that he's ever had. Uh, but now all of a sudden in these more recent games, Romeo Langford is not logging hardly any minutes for the Celtics. Last night he came in with just under three minutes left. He did have a three-pointer. He also had a steal, but the game was way over with Boston in a big cushiony lead. Uh, but what what's going on with Romeo in Boston? Yeah, it's really hard to tell because when he's played, he's looked, at least to me, and like you said, I am definitely a basketball nerd, <clears throat> like he has a lot of skills to be an NBA basketball player. He, he doesn't look um, – like he doesn't belong on the NBA basketball court at all, especially when he has the ball in his hands. He's still spectacular with the ball in his hands. Defensively, he gets his his hand on a lot of balls. And and uh, what's come out of Boston, um, as far as uh, the comments from players and coaches, is everything's positive. But you're right, the last couple of games, I think he had, didn't play three games ago. And then the last two games, has gotten in at the end of the game, uh, you know, like, you know, the, the um, you know, uh, so yeah, so it's really kind of a strange uh, situation that I can't even really explain. Um, you know, in the last two or three weeks, he's had you know a sixteen point game against the Suns. He's had a nine rebound game against Cleveland. He had a game where he had four block shots and three steals. So uh, maybe uh, you know the the trade deadline's coming up. Maybe he'll find a new home because he seems like one of those players who could get thrown into a deal. Um, because that happens at the trade deadline every year, and maybe a fresh start would help, or maybe he's just not quite that level of player. Who kn- I mean, it's hard to tell right now. Yeah, a couple more things on Romeo. You know, it does appear, and I talk with Chris Grinham of Forbes Sports that comes on this show occasionally. He covers the Celtics every game. It does appear that Coach Adoka has tightened up the, the lineup all the way around, not just Romeo that's seen a reduction of uh, opportunity and playing time. So that's one thing, but also – you know, the Celtics are healthier now. They've had uh, a string of uh, both serious injuries, mild injuries, and then COVID protocols, which have really disrupted not only them, but so many teams in the NBA college. And I'm even starting to see it affect high school sports here locally now. 
uh, on a more regular basis, it seems. So perhaps those two things have something to do with it. Uh, a friend that's uh, in the know last night uh, said, I, I promise you he's going to get traded. He's going to get traded. That's got to be what all this is about. They're arresting him. They're keeping him healthy uh, so that he can be trade bait. He can be included in a deal. And that maybe, and I, again, I'm not an NBA guy. I don't follow the trades and all that. So I Googled NBA trade deadline, and I think it's like a month or just under a month away. I can't. I, I could see if you were going to move him later this week or right. next week, you might want to make yeah. sure he's ready to go. But I, I just can't see a month from now that that having much, if anything, to do with it. So you're right. Interesting is the word for Romeo in Boston. It was such a hopeful year. He's been healthy. Uh, again, he you reeled off some of his stat lines. He's had some really good performances. Maybe when Boston had less players or had some sure. guys out, but things have really changed here in the last week or so. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't be. Um, I, I I seriously doubt that the reason that they're not that his playing time does anything has anything to do with trades. I I don't think that's the case at all. But there's no doubt that he would be one of those players who could definitely be thrown into a trade because he's definitely got upside. Everybody knows how great of a player he's been in the past and what kind of athleticism he has. Every, everybody knows that. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if some team actually values him in a trade instead of him just being a throw-in as, as somebody who has potential. So I doubt that's the case. And you're right. There's no doubt that the the way injuries are handled now, um, which uh, a slight injury will keep a player out, uh, probably the smart thing to do, by the way. I'm not criticizing that. Um, I'm sure he'll get plenty of opportunities, and especially with the COVID thing still going around, still probably going to have players out um, for both of those reasons. So I wouldn't get down too much. There, I mean, if Lance Stevenson is in the NBA right now, I'm pretty sure Romeo Langford is pretty safe to uh, to play somewhere. Yeah, Stevenson's back to his normal self. He's uh, talking to the referees every possession and uh, right in the middle of things. You would think he's a, a veteran now with the there with how he commands uh, the discussion but uh, Lance will be Lance. <laughs> All right, couple other things before we get to high school stuff. I want I don't want to forget this. You brought this up to me before the show and I think listeners would like to hear this, but there's a big mid-major college game coming up this weekend that everybody listening if you love our local scene needs to watch and it's because Air Force takes on Nevada. You might say what in the world is the interest in that game? Well, uh, Greg, yeah. tell us about it. Of course, Floyd Central's uh, Jake Hydebreeder is a freshman at Air Force, and Jeffersonville's Trey Coleman is a sophomore at Nevada. So um, those guys have traveled thousands of miles to get to play against each other twice a year. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And, of course, it's on uh, cable television onto the CBS Sports Network, which the Mountain West often is. Those guys are often on that network. So – um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what uh, happens in that game. And and Hydebreeder's been really good for in a, for his freshman year, and that's a really young roster. Nevada's probably better at this point, but um, you know they've got a, a, an experienced veteran roster and a couple of really good players. So that, that'll be a fun game to keep an eye on Saturday. All right, talking with Greg Mingelt, you can read his work at HoosierHillsHoops.com. He's uh, covering all things related to Southern Indiana basketball that you'll find there. Lots of features each week and lots of – game previews and Romeo tracker that's second to none and so much. But, Greg, uh, let's get into high school basketball for this week. Uh, some interesting storylines. The Red Devils of Jeffersonville, they returned to play 
And not only do they return with a double weekend, a Friday and Saturday night game, but they've got two rivalry games. They go to Floyd Central on Friday, which could be very interesting, and they host Providence on Saturday. Can you imagine being Coach Grants? And by the way, I think it's okay to say this. Coach Grants just had his second baby within the last couple days. He and his wife did. So he's been a very busy guy from being ill, non-COVID, around Mm -hmm. Christmas time. He was very ill, very open about that. Mm Uh, to having some COVID issues with his team, which paused basketball, to having a new a newborn now just days old, and now his team is returning to practice and getting ready for not one, not two games, but two rivalry games this weekend. Yeah, and um, you know they had uh, uh, and they had their best player out for the first few games too. So I don't think at this point we have any idea what Jeffersonville is going to be. Um, I think to this point, you two and five, there's no doubt that it's been a disappointment with Jeffersonville. But honestly, uh, we haven't seen anything that they're going to be um, the rest of the season. So going into this Floyd Central game, and Floyd Central um, is clearly, clearly been the best team in the area so far, clearly the best team in the Hoosier Hills Conference, clearly the best team in that sectional so far. But a lot of people thought coming into the season that Jeffersonville would be that team. And um, I'm not sure that Floyd Central is all that much more talented than Jeffersonville. So will 22-day rest bring rust or will they be at the top of their game? Floyd Central, like I wrote today, has only played one game in the last 15 days. So it's not like they've been really active lately. So expect Floyd Central to win. Um, but, you know, we have no idea what we're, what to expect from Jeffersonville at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Greg Mingelt, my guest, uh, other high school basketball things this weekend. I guess first let's let's talk about that Jeff Floyd and Jeff Providence game, two good rivalry games as we approach the middle of January. Um, thoughts on both of those games? You kind of gave us your opinion on Floyd-Jeff, but maybe the Providence-Jefferson. Yeah. I think that's a very tough challenge for Jeff coming I, up Saturday. Yeah, again, no idea what, what to expect from Jeffersonville. That, that I think that's the, the theme going into this weekend. Uh, we just haven't seen enough of them, and we've seen none of them at full strength with their coach, with their best player, with with everybody. And I think they have been all together once, and they won that game. So that's a good sign. Uh, Providence is having a really good season. Um, we've had a, a we have a lot of good teams around here, Matt, and um, they just this year haven't been Jeffersonville and New Albany so far, which is very unusual that neither one of them is above 500 at this point. So. Uh, but we've had a lot of really good stories. Uh, Eastern's won 10 games in a row. Um, South Central won a couple of big games last week. Just a lot of good um, basketball in this area, despite the the two main teams that we focus on uh, having down season so far. But, again, New Albany's pretty talented, too. We'll, we'll see what they are by the end of the year. All right, give me a team, both girls, since that tournament is coming up very soon, and boys from our immediate area, local area here, uh, in the three, four, five county area that you think could make a run into the tournament? Yeah, I think uh, for girls, um, there's um, no ceiling to Silver Creek and Lanesville. Of course, Lanesville um, this week was our team of the week after they won their fourth straight um, Southern Athletic Conference championship. They outscored their opponents last week 166 to uh, 30 something. So um, crazy good week for them. Uh, Lindsey Werner was our player of the week, and uh, honestly, it looks like right now there's not a team in Class A that matches up with them. Maybe at the maybe in the state championship they'll see a team, but no one around here looks like they're on the same level. Um, and then uh, Silver Creek's girls, obviously the defending state champions, 
they might be the favorite in the South to get to the finals. Uh, boys, I think a big game this weekend, and we don't talk about these teams much because they're not exactly in this area, but Eastern, again, won 10 games in a row. North Harrison is probably the favorite in the Mid-Southern Conference, along with Brownstown, and Brownstown plays Silver Creek this week. So two really big Mid-Southern games, Eastern and North Harrison, and then uh, Brownstown and Silver Creek. Um, those games could both have a determination of what happens in the Mid-Southern Conference. Yep, absolutely. And again, we don't want to slight those teams. As far as our play-by-play coverage, we'll be at Jeff uh, Floyd on Friday. We'll be at Jeff Providence on Saturday. But those are some tremendous teams and tremendous games. And I'll have previews on Hoosier Hills hoops um, for those both of those games. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some tremendous teams and, and having some good years. It's good to see some other teams like an Eastern, for example, have a really solid year. Uh, of course, North Harrison has been good uh, on and off now for a number of years, but good to see some others enter the fold as very competitive teams here in our area. All right, Greg, keep up the great work. HoosierHillsHoops.com from Romeo to college players with local connections and, of course, to our beloved high school basketball scene here locally. You've got it all covered, and uh, we'll talk with you again next week. Thanks for the time, Matt. All right, we'll head to a commercial break, and when we come back, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall will be my guest. We'll get you all set for Indiana at Iowa tonight. We know the Hoosiers have the ability to beat good teams at home. See the Ohio State game last week, for an example, but can they take that same type of performance on the road and win a big one out in Iowa City? The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Love to hear from you. Alex is next. Matt Weaver still ahead on IU football. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Thursday program. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is my guest. And, of course, IU basketball will be the topic as the Hoosiers hit the road for Iowa City and a big uh, Big Ten road game coming up tonight, a 9 o'clock tip-off this evening for the Hoosiers at Iowa. Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you've got a question or prediction or anything about tonight's game or this Indiana team, and Alex, uh, for IU, I think it goes without saying, this is the latest test for this team to see if what we've seen over the last week or so is maybe going to stick around and maybe the Hoosiers have some momentum to build on. Yeah, Matt, uh, good to talk to you. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game, uh, interesting test for sure, because Iowa is a team right now that's really in desperate need of a win. They're a really good team offensively, and they're a team – capable uh, when they're playing well of beating almost anybody in the country. So Indiana's played Iowa very well over the years. Uh, Fran McCaffrey especially uh, has struggled uh, against Indiana. But the one thing that it's remained consistent with Iowa over the years is they've been able to put a really good offensive team on the court. And this year's team is no different. You look at the numbers with their uh, ability to take care of the ball. They rarely turn it over. They've got one of the best young players in the country 
uh, in Keegan Murray. They've got an experienced guard, point guard, and Jordan Bohannon, who over the years has really, really played well against Indiana. So uh, it's, you know, this is a game uh, Indiana is going to go in as an underdog. Uh, and if it's a game that if they're able to win, uh, it's going to potentially be a huge springboard for the season because right now, uh, where Indiana is, you know, they've got really good computer numbers. Uh, they're 12 and three overall. They've taken care of business at home. But the one thing that's missing from the resume and the one thing that they're going to have to figure out at some point if they want to be anything other than a bubble team is to win on the road. And, you know, they're 0 and 2 so far in Big Ten play uh, away from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And they've got two opportunities coming up first with Iowa and then Nebraska on Monday uh, to go on the road and get a win. So uh, it, it's, it's pretty interesting to me just how close this team has been on the road so far this season. They've lost their three road games by a combined 10 points. They've been right there. And now the question becomes, are they going to be able to get over the hump? Uh, Alex, I think first and foremost question about Iowa. You you highlighted Keegan Murray, uh, 24.7 points and 7-point rebounds, uh, his averages per game right now. Uh, how, how does Indiana stop him and – is it Race Thompson maybe that uh, will have the assignment on the six foot eight forward? Uh, it's got to be Race Thompson. You look at what he did against EJ Liddell, and you look at what he did uh, against Jamison Battle. Liddell, he really neutralized and didn't let do much of anything. Battle got his points, but he really made him work for it. And I think the strategy with Keegan Murray is going to be. You know, you may not stop him from getting 20 or 25, but you definitely want to make him, you know, take 15, 20 shots to get there. Uh, he's a really efficient player. And I, I think, with, with, you know, as we go along in the Big Ten season, there's going to be a lot of these matchups. You know, they, I think they still have to play Ohio State to get on the road. You, you may not be able to just stop EJ Liddell. You're going to have to play against Kofi. You're going to have to play against. Uh, the guys at Purdue, uh, Johnny Davis of Wisconsin is going to have to come to Bloomington again. There's there's all these really great players, and I don't think you can you know say into, going into any game that, hey, we're going to stop this guy from doing anything because these guys are just too good of players to, to completely bottle up. But I think the, the thing is you got to make them work for everything they get. And if a guy you know gets 20 or 25, but you make him take 18 to 20 shots to do it, I think you've done – a pretty good job. What you don't want to do is have a situation where somebody gets comfortable from the, from the get go and then really goes off. And, and I think with race Thompson, the one thing I've been uh, impressed with, he can guard away from the basket. And with Keegan Murray, you have to do that. You know, I posted a shot chart uh, in my preview over at inside the hall of where he's really doing his damage. And it's, it's basically two places at the, at the rim where he's shooting something like 75% which is really ridiculous when you think about it. And from the right wing on three-pointers, he's really a really good shooter from that uh, spot. So those are the two areas where you have to really be uh, focused on contesting shots. And like I said, I don't think you're going to stop him. He's too good of a player. He's probably going to be a top-20 pick uh, in the draft next next summer. So uh, there's a reason that he's putting up these stats. But I think Race Thompson gives you the best chance to work uh, to make him work. And, you know, you look at the other options, I don't think you want to put Trace Jackson Davis on him because I don't think he, Trace can really step out and guard the perimeter as well as race. And Miller Cop, I just don't think that would be uh, advantageous at all for Indiana to give to give that a go. I think you'll see probably Cop uh, guarding uh, the McCaffrey, uh, Patrick McCaffrey, who's about six foot nine and starts. 
And I think you'll probably see uh, Trace Jackson Davis on the transfer. Uh, Philip Rabraka, I think it is, is a Serbian native that transferred uh, to Iowa from North Dakota. Alex Bozic inside the hall. We're previewing the uh, IU Iowa road game tonight for the Hoosiers. Mike Woodson said something to this uh, earlier in the week during his availability that if Indiana wants to to break through in the conference, they've got to break the ice on the road. Indiana's not yet won a true road game so far this season. And you wrote about this. If Indiana really wants to, in Mike Woodson's first year, not just be a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team that's dangerous on some nights and dismal on others, uh, how they get to that next level, I think, is breaking through, winning a couple real key and difficult road games like this one tonight. Yeah, I mean, going back to what I said earlier, they, they're they going to have to do it at some point. And you look at the schedule uh, that's remaining, that you, you have some opportunities uh, later in the season to get some road wins that, you know, can really move the needle. I mean, places like Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, that's three of their four final road games. But, but you look at a game like tonight, you look at Nebraska, Maryland, Northwestern, Minnesota. So that's five games where I think Indiana is going to need to win two or three of those. So you lose tonight or you lose Sunday or, or Monday, and you start to run out of chances, and you're really going to put yourself in a position where you're going to have to win a game at Michigan State or you're going to have to win at Ohio State. You're going to have to win at Purdue. I don't think you really want to be in that spot. Um, so I, I think, you know, while a win is probably uh, unlikely tonight, you know, you look at kind of just history uh, on the road in the Big Ten, Indiana, looking at their Ken Palm win probability is 40%. So it's, it's – lower than 50% that they're going to go into tonight. But I think they need to come out and play well and give themselves a chance to win. And eventually they will get over that hump. But, you know, Monday's game at Nebraska, kind of some of those other games I talked about, Maryland, Northwestern, Minnesota, they're going to have to eventually break through. I don't think they need to win more than two or three Big Ten road games. Maybe only need to win two if they take care of business at home uh, for all season. Uh, But it's – like I said, I, you know, they, they need to probably get to 11 or 12 Big Ten road wins to feel pretty confident about getting into the tournament. And, and really just getting into the tournament uh, at this point, I think you want to try to aim uh, for more than that because just getting into the tournament means you're going to be something like a 10, 11, 12 seed and not really have a chance uh, to advance. You know, if Indiana can start uh, getting over the hump on, in some of these road contests, they do have a chance to, to move themselves up to something like a 5, 6, 7 seed and win – you know, 12, 13 Big Ten games that feel pretty good about the season they've had. Alex Bozic inside the hall. I know we have no way to answer this question until Mike Woodson puts the lineup out there, but do you think there's mm-hmm. a chance of an adjusted starting lineup tonight, and do you think there should be some changes in the starters in this IU lineup based on the last few games? That's really hard for me to say because I only see – what happens in the games. Uh, what I will say just from watching the games closely is it does seem like a pretty repeated pattern where they're starting games with low in- energy and they're starting second halves with low energy. Uh, I don't really know what the solution is. It, to me, it, it, it's a little bit uh, problematic having both Miller Cop and, and Parker Stewart in the starting lineup. I think they're a, a little bit redundant uh, in terms of what they, they bring to the table. I, I know both of them are upperclassmen that have a lot of experience. They're older players, and Indiana has been pretty successful with both of them in the lineup. But I wonder in a game like tonight where you have 
uh, you know, Iowa starting two smaller guards like Jordan Bohannon and uh, Joe Toussaint, is this an opportunity to maybe put Rob Fennessy in the starting lineup and try to play him some uh, alongside uh, Xavier Johnson? Does that change the energy? I don't know. But uh, to me, the most obvious candidate right now, at least, uh, to take out of the lineup is either Stewart or uh, Cop, and I don't really know uh, what the what the answer would be there uh, from the coaching staff. And, you know, I think that's something that you look at maybe if, if you continue to go down this road of, of losing road games and maybe you drop a home game. But so far, um, I just think those guys need to be a little bit more focused to start games and bring better energy and everything uh, should be okay. I'm not a huge believer in just switching the lineup and, and making that uh, the answer. Now, one thing I will say is I think the second half lineup maybe should be a little bit more indicative of how guys have played throughout the course of the game and maybe, you know, start the second half with, with the guys that played the best in the first half. But uh, in terms of starting the game, I'm not sure that it makes that much of a difference uh, who, who starts. Um, it's more important to me, you know, who, who gets rewarded as the game goes along in terms of playing well and uh, who you have on the court to finish the game. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest talking IU basketball in advance of tonight's big 9 p.m. tip-off road game at Iowa. Uh, going back, I had I had to look on the, the schedule from last year to remember, but um, Indiana's really Iowa, you could say, is one of their last Big Ten road game wins. I think they won at Northwestern after the Iowa game last season. Obviously, new coach and some changes to the roster this season, both departures and newcomers, but there are a number of players back, and Indiana beat Iowa twice last season, once on the road, which was a big upset, and then once in Assembly Hall. So I guess Indiana fans probably remember that and are maybe more hopeful about tonight's game because uh, Indiana did have Iowa's number last season and what otherwise was a really tough year in the conference. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think um, I had this in my preview, and hopefully I did the uh, – I looked it up right. I double-checked it a couple times. I think since the 2012-13 season, Indiana's 11-3 and against Iowa. So I think this is a game that a lot of people had circled as a, as a good chance for a win just based on how well they played against Iowa – uh, in the past, uh, it's it's been a situation where I think Archie Miller's teams matched up pretty well against Iowa uh, because of just the the scheme and the style of play, and you know they were really uh, not much of a defensive team at all. And the, the same holds true this year. I mean, I think tonight the keys are, you know, probably trying to keep Iowa somewhere in the 70s and being able to have uh, a situation where Indiana get some confidence and make some shots offensively because, uh, you know, Iowa just, you're looking at their numbers. I mean, they're 13th in the big 10 in terms of points per possession allowed. They're the worst defensive rebounding team in the league. They're uh, second worst, I believe in sending their opponents to the free throw line. So Indiana is going to have to come out and, and play uh, with some uh, aggression offensively and realize that there's going to be opportunities uh the score. I mean, this isn't a team that's going to come come out and lock you down, but they're definitely a team that can go to the other end and score. So I don't think Indiana should try to make this into a, a track meet. They should obviously try to uh, guard them and, and uh, <clears throat> slow them down. But, you know, this is really one of the, the elite offensive teams in the country, and they are going to score some points. So Indiana is going to have to just not – turn the ball over, and I think the two areas I talked about there, you know, trying to hit the offensive glass and trying to get to the free throw line are really going to tell the story whether or not they're going to be able to emerge 
out of Iowa City with a victory. All right, Alex, a final question for you. Uh, defense has improved uh, from this team uh, in the last number of games. Is this uh, is this something you think uh, that you've seen some changes that are permanent that you think will defense will become or is, has become maybe as some people are saying the uh, uh, the foundation of this team or do you think there's still work to do there? I think it's been the foundation for the whole season, really. I mean, right now they're first in the Big Ten in, in defense and conference games. Now they haven't played the toughest of schedules. I mean, they played Nebraska, they played Minnesota, and they played uh, Minnesota. Or, yeah, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Penn State, sorry. Uh, so they've been a really good uh, defensive team. Uh, I guess maybe not the toughest schedule. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to have to be their identity. I, don't, I, I think offensively the guards are so limited – uh, and what they do, I mean, they, they've obviously got some guys that can shoot and make perimeter shots, but the point guard play has been uh, inconsistent at times. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't think they have a ton of guys on the perimeter that can create uh, opportunities for teammates. And so I think the, the way this team's going to be able to win games is by locking down defensively. And they did it against Ohio State. They held them to 51 points. You look at, I mean, just look at the point totals uh, for Big Ten opponents uh this season against indiana i mean wisconsin only scored 64 uh penn state only scored 61 ohio state 51 uh, minnesota 60 nebraska 55 i mean these are low uh point totals uh, that indiana has done now uh you know has been holding teams down uh defensively for the majority of the big 10 season so i think if they get away from that or if that regresses i think it really is going to hurt this team uh, in terms of wins and losses. They ha- that has to be their calling card. It has been their calling card. Uh, they're 12th right now in offensive efficiency in Big Ten play. They're first in defense. So if the defense, uh, you know, starts to regress, I think they're going to run into some some big problems. So I think they have to start and end with the defense for Indiana, and then hope that the offense continues to improve as the season goes along. All right, Alex Bozich inside the hall. Check out insidethehall.com. You can also follow Alex at inside the hall on Twitter for great coverage of this uh, IU team, including a lot of content uh, getting you ready for tonight's game. Late tip-off, Alex. Uh, I've got mixed opinions. I like uh, I like it because it allows me to get some other things done earlier in the evening. But, boy, later in the second half, if it's not a close, edgy game, I'm, I'm about to fall asleep. So uh, a late one for the Hoosiers tonight. I know you'll be uh, glued to things. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. Good to talk to you after a couple weeks off, and uh, talk to you again next week. Most definitely. Alex Bozich inside the hall with us here on this Thursday edition of the show. A big one tonight. Don't forget, with tip-off at 9 o'clock, that means Don Fisher has the uh, pregame show here on the Big X X at 8 o'clock. And I always say this, but you get a chance to hear from Mike Woodson. You get the starting lineup, uh, and sometimes you get some little nuggets and tidbits that maybe – uh, aren't out there otherwise because it's uh, it's played back in Coach Woodson's interview with uh, Don Fisher. So make sure you check that out at 8 o'clock in advance of the game. And, again, uh, this is a big one. I think that it goes without saying for Indiana tonight on the road to see if they can – I think if they play the, the type of basketball that they played against Ohio State and Minnesota last week, that they'll definitely be in the game and have an opportunity to win. But we'll see if they can put that type of performance together on the road coming up in Iowa City tonight. Stay with us. Matt Weaver, IU football schedule out, or some changes, I should say, to the schedule for next season. New defensive line coach as well. We'll cover that and more next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Thursday program, a little IU football to squeeze in here on this big game day for men's basketball. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, joining the program now. Matt, uh, Big Ten retooled the schedule for next season, and it was released yesterday afternoon, and a number of changes in the IU football schedule for next season, but first and foremost, a new season-opening opponent. It's not going to be Northwestern any longer. The updated schedule has Illinois as who the Hoosiers will open with on the football field next year. Yeah, and I think um, I think a big reason for that, uh, Northwestern is playing um, in what they call the Week Zero games. You know, the week before that, they're playing in um, Ireland. I think they're playing against Nebraska. Um, and a lot of times when teams play, you know, um, and they haven't done them obviously in a few years because of COVID, but when they would play those, the next week they would get that week off because obviously the travel, you know, that's quite a bit of travel for a team. So I would assume that's the biggest reason why that game was moved. Um, so Northwestern could have that week off and, and they switched Illinois in. So, um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, obviously Illinois is a little bit better than Northwestern this year, but, you know, I think if both teams are, are, uh, are both programs or teams that Indiana could be, um, could be, or should be competitive with, um, you know, if, if you get some improvement, like you, like you're hoping to. So, um, you know, that's, yeah, I think that's the reason why that game was switched out, and you got Illinois to Northwestern. I tell you what, no matter what the uh, the schedule is, the non conference games, the order of things uh, in the division that IU is in, year in and year out, it's still going to be a very very tough schedule for this IU football program. How does this year's schedule, or maybe I should say next season's schedule, compare to what the Hoosiers battled through or tried to battle through this past year? Well, I think I think you know the the schedule this this past year. Um, you know, you I think it was you know it was just a, it was a tough schedule. Obviously, all across the board, but I mean, you know, especially starting off, you know, going to Iowa. Um, obviously, Idaho in week two was a bit of a layup, um, but then Cincinnati, who obviously turned out to be one of the best teams in the country, and even at Western Kentucky. I mean, that was a team that you know all year. I mean, their quarterback had record record breaking numbers, and then you know you go to Penn State. When I look at the schedule for 22, it's much it's much uh, easier to start off with. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's I think it's easier than what you did in 21. You know, you start out at home with Illinois, then Idaho, Western Kentucky at home, which lost their OC, the quarterback, a lot of those guys that put up those numbers. Um, then you go to Cincinnati, which will be a tough game, but they've obviously they're going to be losing a lot too. Um, and then at Nebraska, so I mean you got a chance, you know, then Michigan at home, Maryland at home, at Rutgers before you get to your bye. So you've got a chance to, to get some wins. And quite honestly, you're going to need to if you're Indiana. You're going to need to get some wins in those first seven, eight games. And then when you come out of your bye, it's Penn State, out Ohio State, at Michigan State, Purdue. So it's a it's a tough uh, ending stretch, especially those three in a row with Penn State, out Ohio State, at Michigan State. So you need to really make some hay early on and then hopefully kind of you know keep it together for those last four or five games and Maybe you can steal one or two. I'm looking at the uh, Cincinnati game on the road September 24th as one of the non-conference games. What's the early – I'm just thinking out loud here. What's the early thought on Cincinnati after making the college football 
uh, playoffs, the final four, you could say, of college football. Are they are – they, obviously that's going to help their recruiting, and you, you would think that they've got some good years ahead, but are they expected to have that type of team again next season? Well, I mean, it just for, you know, obviously kind of just watching from afar, I wouldn't think so. I mean, you're going to lose Desmond Ritter. Um, you're going to lose, uh, I think it's Myaji Sanders, the DN, who's going to be a draft pick. They've got two defensive backs. One was the Jim, Thor- Jim Thorpe Award winner. Another one is uh, Ahmed Gardner, who's expected to go in the first round. Um, you know, and there's, there's, you know, some other pieces you're going to lose. So they're going to be replacing some good players. Now, Luke Sickle's done a really good job, and they'll have some good players. They lost their offensive coordinator. Uh, I think they lost their special teams coordinator. So they've, They've been hit a little bit with some losses. I mean, but I think he's got a program that's going to sustain success. I, I, you know, I think it's you know probably maybe not realistic to expect them to go undefeated in the regular season again and, and be one of the top you know four or five teams in the country. Um, but they're they're going to still be they're going to still be a tough out. You know, I I do think that's and let's be honest, that was a game that Indiana you could make a very strong argument should have won that game. They outplayed Cincinnati for most of the game. Mistakes killed them, and you know, we've gone over it a million times. But they were very competitive in that game against a team that played in the in the playoffs. So you know, I think they'll be a little bit down. The question is, is Indiana you know how much better are they? I, I don't think they could be much worse. So you, you expect them to be better. Just the question is, how much improvement can they can they make between? you know, from obviously a very disappointing 2021 season to uh, this fall. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, I guess. Matt, um, new football coach. Well, we've had some some movement here in the coaching staff lately. Uh, The latest coach to join uh, Tom Allen's staff is Paul Randolph. He's going to be the defensive line coach at Indiana, and he comes to IU from Texas Tech. Tell us about this addition to the coaching staff. Some really quick turnaround from departures to hires by Tom Allen. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that I obviously, the first time I really heard his name or, uh, you know, you looked at him at all was when I found out this week that he was being hired. He has a ton of experience. I did watch, it was kind of interesting, I watched Texas Tech and Mississippi State by chance in the bowl game and, you know, really figured Mississippi State would kind of, you know, put it to him. And Texas Tech's defense, especially up front, did a great job. They completely shut down the Mississippi State offense. And everybody, you know, Mike Leach has got – Always oh, got great offenses, and I was really impressed with how their 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 front seven played. And obviously, he'd have a big hand in that as a D line coach. So, a lot of good experience. He's been a, a, a co defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator. He's you know coached defensive line, defensive end, linebackers. Um, you know, been at some pretty good programs. Um, you know, recruiting ties should be pretty strong with him in Texas. And you know, he's also coached out west. Um, so, you know, just on the surface, it looks like a really solid hire. Um, you know, like I said, I like his experience. So, um, you know, we'll see how it works out and, and, and everything. But, you know, just, just my initial glance at him, this looks like a pretty impressive hire and a nice get for Coach Allen. All right, any other coaching changes expected? I think we're through the, the season normally of, of changes and hires and uh, new staffs being built, which can sometimes have a trickle-down effect. But do you think this staff is locked in for next season? That's my guess, and obviously they hired, you know, the the Chad Wilton news came out, uh, I think it was, what, uh, last week or over the weekend, um, the uh, coach from Minnesota who's expected to be the new defensive coordinator, um, you know, and it'll be interesting. I, I, I think Tom Allen's going to take a more um, uh, active role in running the defense. I think it, I wouldn't be surprised if it was to me like it was a couple years ago, I think it would have been 2019 when Kane Womack, his first year as D.C., where Tom Allen still kind of ran the defense and Womack was involved. I won't, I won't be surprised if it's like that this upcoming season just because, you know, you want to try to get this back on track. And 
I think Tom Allen's going to be more active as far as, you know, uh, running the defense and maybe doing some play calling. But I think the staff, you know, you never know. I, I, said, I said after the OC, I didn't, I didn't expect any more changes, and we had a couple more. So, um, you know, my, my prediction prowess is not very good. So, but I, I, at this time, I don't think there'll be any more changes. But, you know, this is college sports, and, and change is just part of the game. All right, uh, Matt, another question for you. I don't think we've had a chance to catch up uh, with you since um, – uh, the uh, commitment from Connor Bazelak, the M- Missouri quarterback who's headed to Indiana out of the transfer portal. But your thoughts on that pickup, and uh, will he come in and compete for the starting spot, you think, next season? Uh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, obviously when you bring in transfers, that, that's that's always your goal. And, and sometimes it may be a guy, you know, may come in and, you know, like some of these defensive linemen or other positions, running backs, they may not be starters, but you want them to come in and be in the rotation and be, you know, significant contributors. And obviously, with a quarterback, you know, you're hoping he comes in and, and can take hold of the job and and and, um, and play well. And, and you know, I watched some of his highlights. I remember him out of high school. I actually had a relationship with Connor because Indiana recruited him out of high school out of Alter over by Dayton, and um, you know, reached back out to him and and um, communicated with him a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. So you know, he did some really good things in Missouri. Um, you know, he's probably not going to give you a ton in the run game. I mean, he's not a statue, but his strength is standing in the pocket and throwing the ball. So, you know, you know, um, having an offensive line that can protect is going to be important. And obviously last year that was a real issue. So that's something that's going to have to be, um, you know, uh, fixed up, you know, with him back there. But he, he can run a little bit, but accurate, 66% passer, I believe, in, you know, two-plus seasons at Missouri. Um, you know, turnovers were a little bit high, but you know, it, I, I don't. It's not fair to judge him completely on that. There's there's other reasons I can go into some of those turnovers, but overall, I think it's a really good get for Indiana. Um, you know, and I think this is a guy that if you can protect him and you can get a run game a little bit, um, you you know, this is a guy that can make some uh, make some real um, production in the passing game. All right, Matt Weaverpeaks dot com with us for a little off season football chat, Matt. I know there'll be some other things to catch up on. Uh, here this off season, we'll talk with you again soon. But appreciate all of your insight. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Have a good right. week. Matt Weaver here as we wrap up a Thursday program uh, on the Thornton's text line. Texter writes: Has Indiana shown any interest in Sean East? Of course, Sean East, a New Albany graduate, playing uh, one year of junior college basketball after stops at UMass and also Bradley. I saw yesterday uh, Jake Weingarten, a uh, national recruiting guy said that uh, he had talked with Sean, and Sean has heard from Oregon, DePaul, Louisville, Missouri, Pitt, Cincinnati, BYU, Xavier, Georgia, Western Kentucky, Texas A&M, and UMass again, which was his initial destination. So I haven't uh, talked to Sean recently about his recruiting, and uh, I haven't seen Indiana listed on any of the um, the mentions that Sean is giving schools that are in contact with him and his coaches at John A. Logan Junior College, but uh, definitely uh, would be worth a look, I think. He is uh, clearly, it, it seems like, when he commits to his school for his remaining eligibility, is uh, is going to be playing at a pretty high level uh, as far as the team, the program goes. So uh, some big schools interested in East who continues to put up really big numbers and is having a good season and a very competitive and a good conference for junior college basketball as well. So that's what I know about Sean East. Would be interesting to see. Will be neat to see if Indiana uh, does get involved with him. That's going to wrap things up for this Thursday edition of the program. A reminder, IU at Iowa tonight, 9 o'clock tip-off. 
8 o'clock pregame here on the Big X with the legendary voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. We've got high school basketball this weekend as well. Jeff at Floyd Central on Friday night, pregame coverage at 7.15. And then on Saturday night as well, another rivalry game, Providence at Jeff coming up Saturday night. We'll be back uh, tomorrow, our Friday program at 11 a.m. Talk with you then here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.